I don't remember what I... <laughs> My brain can't shift that fast. So hi, I'm Christy Grainer. Welcome to the Dare to Bleep podcast. And Rebecca Rimnick will say hi when she's done laughing. And we're here with Why is John it so Russell. Hard to start? <laughs> hi, John. Hi. <laughs> hi, John. So this is how this goes. This is how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> Season two of the Dare to Believe podcast. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, Christy. Are you excited about season two? I'm very excited about season two. We've got a lot of great guests for our listeners and interviews full of revelation, awesome stories and testimonies that will encourage and inspire you, our listener, for the more of God. So we want you to dare to believe. so glad to be here with you john this is really fun well thanks for having me i yeah. never never thought i'd see myself have, oh, we're here for a half hour 45 minutes something like that we're going to be talking about you awesome. all about you okay which is not your comfort <laughs> level we're going to be pulling it out but john and i have known each other for a long time we are parents of young men who are fathers and we've known each other since our boys were little Mm -hmm. you might not remember how long we've known each other so back when amy and i first joined hosanna you were leading i think you might have just gotten on staff and you were in charge of all the new people yeah and so you led our group of new people coming into the church yeah how'd i do you did great. We we stayed. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, you didn't scare us away that time. But that's no, that's <laughs> great. Yeah, so that's fun. That was way way back. Yeah. Gosh, how old was Drew then? Two, oh. two or three, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and now you're a papa. Yes. You have a beautiful baby boy. In Wells, your he's life. amazing. Oh. Yep. Yeah. What do you like best about being a papa? Oh, there's so many things. I think. Um, I mean, like just yesterday, when you walk into a room, it's almost like when you come home and your dog goes crazy, just to see that joy on the little guy's face he that, saw you. that he saw me. Yeah. And you could kind of tell because it's you. It's not just he's smiling at anybody yeah, who right. walks in the door. But Yeah, you're special yeah. to him. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. powerful. And isn't it amazing to watch the joy on your son's face as he loves on his son? I wasn't prepared for how amazing that was. It's like, it's just beautiful to yeah. watch. And, and he's a good dad. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he is. Yeah. It's wonderful to see that. And that is, that's powerful for anybody, but it's really powerful for you. Do you mind telling our listeners a little bit of your story and why seeing that generational blessing being passed on is powerful for you? Yeah, well, you know, I've, I've thought about this a little bit lately because many, many may not know, but I was adopted when I was five. And so there were things in my biological family's past, uh, some challenges and struggles there. Um, life was hard. Um, they didn't always handle it the best, I guess. And you learn a lot in five years. Your first five yeah. years are yeah. very true. fundamental. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Some issues of abandonment and being tossed around from orphanage to foster mm-hmm. home and things like that. But just this uh, 
this opportunity that I've felt the Lord give me to make a like a brand new start with my family line. Wow. You know? The way God intended it to be. Exactly. And to see that now carried on through our son Drew and now his son Wells, it's it can be a little overwhelming to see how God has been so faithful to that and, and so good in that regard. And, you know, to think of many, many generations to come. That's right. To look back yeah. and to think that, you know, this was the beginning of kind of a new family line. Yeah, the blessings go generation to generation. You know, yeah. people are worried too much, I believe, about generational curses because Jesus is much more powerful than yeah, any of that. For sure. And we can release the blessings, which are immensely more important yeah. than whatever the enemy is doing in our family line. And you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I actually Yay. met Drew before I met you. Mm-hmm. He was a worship leader, uh, I think my second year at Bethel. Yeah. In Reading, yeah. So he was always, it was great. I loved it. He kind of was a little bit more rock and roll, a little bit more folksy yeah. <laughs> than uh, some of the other musicians. I always really appreciated that. And yeah. the, his he sensitivity. He was Minnesota. Yeah, was, he's kind of folksy in like a really great way. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. He loves Bob Dylan and. Yeah. That and, came, that comes out in his his style. Yeah, exactly. It was a pretty strong contrast to some of our other leaders that year. Yeah, yeah. Were you there when Danny Silk was um, speaking? And tell, will you tell him the story about Drew when he was speaking? He was leading worship, and Danny Silk was teaching at their school, and the glory cloud showed up when Drew was leading. Yes, and that's I probably don't have a lot of details. It's been a long time since I've thought about that. But that's pretty but amazing. But yeah, Drew has been had the privilege of being there during that season when mm-hmm. it seemed to be happening quite a bit. Yeah. And actually leading worship when the manifest presence of the Lord comes yeah. in, in a very tangible way. Man, I think as worship leaders, we <laughs> we live for those moments. Yeah. And very few of us ever get to experience that. And uh, and what I think is beautiful is Drew learned not to get in the way. Because as as leaders, worship leaders, or just ministry leaders, we think we have to have things so organized and prepared that when that happens, we can get in the way. Right. And Danny kind of coached him on, no, just keep going, just right. keep going. Yep. And, and so he knew to follow, the, the, together they, they kept just yeah. flowing in that, and it was, it yep. was glorious. So how cool that he learned through experience how to just get out of the way and let the Lord do what he wants to do here. Yeah, that's so true. And I think one of probably one of the biggest challenges for worship leaders is to get out of the way. I think sometimes when we have that word leader <laughs> attached to our title, I think sometimes we feel like we have to be leading, you know, I'm giving quotes here, the conversation around the table. Hmm. You know, we have to be the one leading it for whatever reason. But just to just to get out of the way. I mean, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, and, and you don't want to get so far out of the way that it's just a mess. No. So there's that balance. It is a delicate skill to it's be a dance, able to, yeah. to uh, shepherd the presence of the Lord in such a way that it isn't too far either direction. Right. And if people don't know, we didn't really introduce you, John. We just okay. kind of jumped in. Because <laughs> we know you so well. We yeah. should have mentioned <laughs> but, that he's but, a worship uh, leader. We're talking with John Russell, and he is uh, a good friend of ours and been a worship leader for ever and is currently worship leading at Hosanna Lutheran Church down in Lakeville, Lakeville Minnesota. Yeah. But you've been um, in the music field forever. Right. 
So you talked a little bit about being adopted, and then you went to the University of Minnesota and yep. tell, talk about that. Yeah, so I got my music education degree, yeah. <laughs> education degree at the University of Minnesota. And after graduating there, I just went on the road immediately, uh, got married to my wife, Amy. Who you met at the Chan Hansen Dinner Theater. Exactly. We were both serving food. And um, yeah. Did you sing there at all? I did not. Oh. Not on purpose. No, I was a, I was a waiter. <laughs> you were a waiter. You were a, a singing waiter. Just a waiter. <laughs> no, just a waiter. <laughs> and uh, then um, went on the road. My dream was to make it in the music business. So um, got a manager and an agent and started a band with my brother. And off we went, uh, working really hard, uh, traveling a lot, being away from home quite a bit. Yeah. Um, now I'll, I'll get into this a little bit because it's 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 a really actually quite a big part of my story. Um, so we got to the point where things were going fairly well, but we were struggling relationally, my brother and I, to a point where it was just on the hairy edge of a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And so, th- you know, I guess we both thought it best that it was time to save our relationship and not go any further. But something interesting happened in that season. I absolutely uh, learned to hate music. I just did not like it anymore. Mm. It's the last thing I wanted to do. And so when I was done, I told my wife, Amy, I got to find something else because I'm, I'm done with this. I don't want to ever do this again. Went back to school to get recertified as a teacher and discovered that I still wasn't passionate enough about teaching to go into it. So tried a few things for a few months, and I remember this very clearly. was out uh, mowing the lawn, and Amy comes out in the yard, asked me to turn the lawnmower off, and she says, uh, John, I just we need to talk. I said, you're, you're miserable, and it's starting to make me miserable, and you need to get back into music. Mm. And I just said, you know, absolutely not. I'm done. And she goes, well, I think you, let me suggest this. She goes, I'm going to choir tonight. We, we had been part of Hosanna at that point. I'm going to choir tonight, and I'd like you to join me. And I said, absolutely not. I'm not going to choir. <laughs> and she said, she looked at me square in the eye and said, I'm going to choir tonight, and I think you should come with me. And I knew that look. <laughs> I was going to choir that night. <laughs> so I went to choir, and I think I might have been one of four or five guys in the choir. It was real small. And we just started to sing. And I believe it was from the Lord, but all of a sudden the joy, mm. it just returned. Because it's what you're created wow. to do. Yeah. and um, I didn't the, realize that at that point in your life you'd kind of set aside music. I'm, I, was, I was done. I did not know that. Yeah. It makes sense after it being so hard and yep. the relational issues that you had that there would, the joy would be taken from you in that. Yep. Totally. Yeah. We were working almost every night. Mm. And, and it, it also makes sense that you know, we, we all have a destiny in our life, mm-hmm. and there is warfare that comes against it. Because when you do what you were created to do, all of us, when we do what we were created to do, we bring the Lord glory. Right. And to shut that down is an uh, attack against the Lord because it, right. it removes some of the glory we're created to give yeah. Him. So that makes sense that that would be a battle that yeah. you would have had to wrestle with. You know, I and I guess pursuing a country music career might not have been the Lord's best plan for me, but... He obviously used it in a huge way. but So anyway, I go to choir. The joy returns. And uh, 
then I get then the calls started to come in from people who wanted to me to join them in their musical adventures and so I ended up in the Johnny Home Band and Johnny's pretty well known in the Midwest he's been around for a long long time very popular very dear man just an incredible experience so then for the next 7 years you know I hit the road again wow. <laughs> with Johnny playing music singing and it was absolutely fantastic um, probably way too much to get into here, but I probably learned as much, if not more, just about worship leading from that experience with Johnny than Ooh. I probably could have learned. No, dig in into a, that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, tell us yeah. a little bit more of that. Well, um, Johnny, he, and I, and I hope none of these guys are listening, but he, uh, <laughs> Johnny didn't necessarily. <laughs> you are, cover your ears. Yeah, he didn't necessarily have the best people in his band. But he had the right people in his band, Ooh, and that was and that was really really important statement. to him that we were all moving the same direction, and we were all on the same page. And it was never about him ever. It was about the people that we were playing music in front of. Wow. It was number one above anything else was that they were having a good time. So you learned how to do teamwork. Learned team how to do teamwork. You know mm-hmm. the, this whole idea of it that people are coming to see me or coming that got kicked out of me, which was wonderful. That was part of the healing probably. Yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. And um, so just, just many little things like that, that I sure. learned. Well, and the fact that the, the sum of the parts is not, not always what you would expect. Yeah. And that's huge. I think that's just huge in life and in the church is to recognize that when the Lord breathes on something, when he's present, when he's with us. Yeah. It's it's exponential. It's not what it looks like. So that's a really great illustration for that. Yeah. And it was also a blessing because all the guys in the band were Christians too. Oh, so that's huge. It made traveling around the country way easier. And so in a way, that was a worship group because they're all Christians. They're all singing with the Lord as part of this. And so we have to get out of the box of worship only happens in a church building. So you guys were releasing the Lord's love and the presence of the Lord wherever you sang, even if it wasn't worship songs. No, I think you're exactly right. And in, in some ways, it goes back to Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in light of God's mercy, offer your whole bodies Yeah, as a living sacrifice. So everything that we do is an act of worship. Yeah, and I think if you would actually break down your day, we probably spend most of our time... Uh, working or our labor our vocation right which in some regards makes that probably our primary expression of worship i don't know if that makes sense to people or not it's making more and more sense to life everything that was a big martin luther thing yeah it was but i mean but you know our corporate everything you are is worship exactly Mm -hmm. so our corporate gatherings on sundays are definitely the most um uh exquisite and mysterious just that's a beautiful, I mean, a group of people coming together, singing to the Lord, making mm-hmm. music. That's, that's mysterious, it's glorious and beautiful, but, but the day-to-day act of worship, I mean, it's what we're doing. So, you know, many, many nights with that band, that there was um, great uh, experiences happening with the crowd. Hmm. So what I am thinking is then, I, I just have known you kind of from that point on and yeah. I've seen so much growth and what we both are learning is 
you were a lot older than we were back then, and there's still so much more to learn. Yeah. You know, we're going from glory to glory to glory, and yeah. as long as we're human, there's still more to to learn. There's still more to more to becoming more like Jesus, right? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And I remember um, one of the big stretches that we went through is we did the Alpha course. That was mm-hmm. so much fun. Yeah. The Alpha course. I mean, watching the transformation in people, and, I, you know, I wasn't very comfortable with Holy Spirit before we started the Alpha Course. I thought I was. Yeah. But then when Holy Spirit showed up, it's like, wait a minute, this isn't what I signed up for. I don't know what yeah. to do. And I, can't you, I think you, you were kind of in the same boat, right? It's, oh, yeah. Not not in only the same boat, but... Little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, yeah. My boat was probably actually a little different. <laughs> well, and I, I was jumping on board with it a little bit because I, I was blessed to connect with John Paul Jackson and be trained in this kind of thing and started moving it in these things and trying to learn about the prophetic yeah. and realized I had prophetic gifts and like, wow, I mean, okay, this prophetic conference is going on. And and John and I, at that point, were on a team that planned a Wednesday night worship service. And I, I remember yeah. going to the the prophetic conference at Redeeming Love Church, and I don't even know what year that was, but it's got to be over 15 or more years. I yeah. don't know. We and were still working together. So maybe Correct. closer to 20 years. I bet it was closer to, I don't know. Anyway, 15 to 20 years ago. It's a long time ago. Years ago. <laughs> yeah. Older than, longer than Rebecca. Longer than longer than the Bible almost. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And so I was so excited about the prophetic gift, and I'm hearing stories, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go to this conference, and let's see what happens. And and I literally had an open vision, and I'd heard about that and never had it happen. And John was one of the main worship leaders at church, and so... I'm sitting watching this um, worship team, and it was Andre Ashby on one side and Joanne McFadder on the other, and a day, guy named, is it Bremer? Daniel Bremer. Daniel Bremer yeah. in the middle, and he's leading worship. And it was so amazing when these guys began to prophesy with song, and they were, it was like they were going off the script. It's like they were just singing to the Lord. Yeah. I, I couldn't, and it was powerful, and you feel, yeah. could feel the presence of the Lord. And all of a sudden, I watched. Is it Daniel? He's David. Daniel. Daniel turn into John Russell, and I literally saw it. It's like with my own two eyes. I'm watching this, and I'm I'm like, oh my gosh, John Russell is going to sing prophetically. I just couldn't believe it, and I'm all excited about it. So I'm very young in my gifting at this point, and I went back to our meeting when we were planning worship, and I told John all about this, yeah. and he kind of had this... John, who was not familiar with the prophetic at the time. Well, and, he or, heard or, about it. Well, familiar in a way that um, I really didn't want anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really it's, think only because didn't know anything bad, about it, and, and so it was, a, yeah, it. it was a scary thing. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is. I mean, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. I grew up in a Christian home, but that, yeah. that, that part of the kingdom... Was never in the conversation. Right. We never talked about yeah. it. So, and, if, and so, and if you did, it was probably the negatives that the abuses. Because some come people with that, who are not sure. trained well in the prophetic and not shepherded well yeah. can make a big mess. Yep. And that happens way too often. Yeah. So I, at that point, was probably one of those people because I was just sharing with you too much. <laughs> you know, you weren't ready to hear it, and you kind of like, okay, and we never talked about it. But here's the thing, I, you know, even though when you deliver that word. Uh, I was probably, um, you know, putting my hand out metaphorically. <laughs> stop, stop, stop yeah. with that stuff. I don't necessarily believe in it, nor do I want to. But because we were in relationship, 
and we were friends. I think that is super important. So you trusted a little bit. So I trusted a little bit because I trusted you. Even if you didn't understand or trust the prophetic word. Exactly. And I think that's how the Lord used that to finally start to turn my heart. Wow. That's very true. Yeah. So what was fun is then 10 years later, John and I had both left staff at that church and we were going to be going to do a workshop up in northern Minnesota and we met in Duluth for lunch you and amy and i was there and somehow you're so excited you're it was 10 years later and you were going to be you said have you ever heard of a guy named andrew ashby and i'm like are you teasing me because i told you that and and it was but it was 10 years later and because and i said well do you remember this and i reminded you of that and i the look on your face was fun because you went oh my gosh i forgot but, and you were preparing to lead at that same conference 10 years later yeah. with Joanne McFadder yeah. and Andrea. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's like, yes. come on, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. That is so cool, isn't it? Yeah. And you know what else happened at that conference? Do you know um, Patricia King? Yeah. yeah. She was one of the speakers. Uh, she called me out, had me stand oh, up. come on. And just spoke this amazing prophetic word over my life, things that I'm beginning to walk out now. But... You know those conferences, you're sitting there and you go, Lord, please let them call me. I want to be the one, you know, because <laughs> yeah. they, they call out so few people. And yep. So she had me stand up and and called some other things out. That's cool. Uh, so, yeah. What a wonderful time. Yeah. And what a cool, the Lord is so gracious and we don't have to know what we're doing really. Yeah. We can fumble our way along and make mistakes and get it not quite right, but Maintaining relationship and maintaining honor and respect and love is important in walking these things out. Oh, totally. And I'll go back to that. I don't. I think had we not had relationship, I mm-hmm. would have. It could have actually done more damage. It could right. have possibly even pushed me further away. Right. But the Lord has done a lot in you since then. I yeah. heard you beautifully talk about this with some pastors uh, a few months back, yeah. where you talked about how the Lord even taught you more on how to. To move in those things, you mind sharing some of that? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Or yeah, I mean, I can give a little backstory to that too, which might be helpful to people. So, there's a time when my wife and I were just really wrestling with all of this stuff. It seemed to keep coming up, and not only that, but the fear around it kept coming up. Yeah. And so we were invited out to Reading, out to Bethel for a leaders conference. You were there. Remember I was that there. year? Mm-hmm. I think we stopped and had lunch together. Or we wrote Yeah, we hung around a little bit and then all of a sudden you and Amy disappeared. Like, we did. <laughs> I wonder where yeah, they went. You said we have to get out of here. We're going out to see nature. I'm like, okay, yeah. John, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been there several times since, but that particular conference, I haven't seen anything like that there since. It was particularly wild and swirly. Something else was going on at the time in mm-hmm. the kingdom and there's a large group of people there who were just on fire. And and so it was, I don't know if you remember that. A little, was, I don't remember it, but it must have been a little messy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just bodies laying on the floor. Oh, and, no. Okay. And, um, don't you know, that, people, <laughs> people prophesying in different languages out loud. And it was all just came wow. together. And uh, a little bit overwhelming, yeah, actually. Yeah, kind of stuff that you hear about that you're like, I don't know, I want that. Yeah. Yeah. And so when somebody comes up and gets kind of in your personal space and starts speaking in tongues over you, it's like, whoa, whoa what's happening? <laughs> and uh, 
so yeah i said honey we gotta let's just go for a walk i gotta get out of here i i don't know what's happening nor what i'm feeling about this so we went up to lake shasta started walking around the lake never forget it we found a nice place to sit on a big rock just overlooking lake shasta and we started to talk and i said to my wife amy um i am done being afraid of this this is a horrible place to live especially being in ministry this wow. is not being afraid is a horrible being place afraid to of live. the holy mm-hmm. spirit i'm mm-hmm. done with it yeah and uh, i said either we're all in or i'm walking because i can't take this place anymore that's awesome and so we we prayed a while talked some more and just said we're going back in man we're <laughs> we're all in <laughs> whatever that meant to us at the time mm-hmm. but right. at the time it meant all in mm-hmm. of course it looked differently later on but but that was a huge a turning point in our life i think that's actually really huge for for all of us i know i've had similar moments where coming from a more God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Scriptures background. The Holy Spirit was scary, and I was hungry for more of God, but all the messy stuff around it or the things I didn't understand, it was, I didn't want all of that too. And I didn't want to become that and lose my ability to connect with family or friends or whatever, or... It's just there's there's messy stuff associated with it. There's people working their stuff out that isn't the Lord, mm-hmm. and you can't control it and whatever. Right. And I think that recognizing that you can't live in that tension for very long is huge. Actually, what you're saying, I think, has the ability to bring a lot of freedom for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even a lot of people listening to this. That yeah, and I like what you said about that just now. It is a tension, and I don't think it's... There's, I think there's good tension to live in mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's one of them. Yeah. Just. Uh, it is. It's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. But in order to move out of that, you had to pull in closer to the Lord and trust Him to lead you into this. And that that yeah. I think from because I grew up in a very very traditional cessationist background as well. And, yeah. And walking into these things was really something I didn't want to choose either, but I, I told the Lord, but I want you. Because yeah. I, mm-hmm. I trust a God, yeah. but I yep. didn't trust people. Yep. And I told the Lord, I'll go anywhere you send me, but those people who are saying weird things, and I know people can make mistakes and people can mess things up. I just don't want to be messed up by people's mistakes. Right. But I trust you. Yep. And, and so I think if you can stay close to the Lord, stay close to the Word of God, and let Him lead you through, it might be uncomfortable and awkward at times, yep. but yep. It, it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and again, it was was amazing the people that were there that week. You were there, and another person on staff at Hosanna was there that I have a close relationship with. Um, Pastor Doyle was there. So people that I love and trust. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, I know these people. I love these people. They would never lead me. Uh, they would yeah. never lead me somewhere that wasn't the Lord. Yeah. That's, that's and uh so there's a part of that in it too. Mm-hmm. Again, kind of just goes back to just relationship. Healthy relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Imperfect people, but you you trust them. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. And so mm-hmm. now where would you how would you describe your you you've traveled a few, a few different journeys since then. You you left Hosanna, you're at couple different churches in the twin cities yep now you're back at hosanna yes i am yeah and it's supposed the lord brings your full circle (laughs) but hosanna is a different place now yeah it's different um 
and it's the same, yeah. of course. And so things you're getting to lead worship, and you're, you still get to walk in these things. Yeah, Hosanna is a little different in the regard that it's now four campuses, so oh. mm-hmm. uh, that naturally brings a lot of interesting and changes. And what I think is really fun is your son's on staff now. Yeah, yeah so we have four campuses, Lakeville, Shakopee, Rosemount, and Northfield, and Drew is the worship pastor at our Shakopee campus, and I'm primarily Lakeville, but I go other places too. But I'm, I mean, definitely the old man on the team. So it's like, <laughs> Isn't that weird? That yeah. transition to being a, a father instead of just one of the guys. You're, you're like a fa- now a father. No, and it really feels like it. And there's some things that are actually quite wonderful about that in a larger organization like that. Speak about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I think the beautiful thing is if we truly live out the thing that we say a lot in our circles or this group for our children or the next generation that our ceiling becomes their floor. Mm-hmm. It's really fun to see that lived out. Mm. So things that the young people are doing now, the knowledge that they have primarily around technology and all things advance, you know, far beyond where I am. And it's wonderful to see them progress in that way. Uh, the, how they use tools given to them, just their approach to things. It's, it's beyond where I am. But yet, as kind of more of a father, you kind of get to bring some wisdom to that too. Mm-hmm. Because you've been around that Simply <laughs> because you've been around it a lot. And I think sometimes some of the wisdom that a father brings is um, just helping them to, the younger people, see what's, I mean, what's important, what's going to bear fruit, mm. and what might not. Not that you should tell them, don't do this or do this, not telling them what to do, but helping well, them see. Well, and there is a tension in that as well, because they have to choose to want to hear what you have to say. Yep. So you have to have a relationship. That's a tension of trusting them to mess up a little bit. Yeah. Like, well, I told you. Or, you know, you don't, you can't control, just like your adult children. Yeah. You can't, you're more of a coach now. You're exactly. Not, you're not in charge of their life you're just a coach to their life an advisor and so the amount of wisdom you're allowed to release in their life is that favor that you either have or you don't have and i think that's the beautiful thing i think probably thing one of the things that brings me joy is when a younger person says yes and allows you to speak into their life that's a high honor and a high privilege when they Instead of me just forcing myself on them, I'm older than you. I've been around longer. Therefore, I know more. You will listen to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> but when they choose to, mm-hmm. I really want you to speak into my life. Yeah, and what we're talking about is to, seems to me it's a leadership thing called you know the positional authority versus relational authority. Right. You you are in charge. You've got an honorable job. That's your role. Yeah. But you have relational authority, and it's if you don't have relational authority, you can speak a lot, but people will not no, necessarily hear, hear you and right, respect right. you. But you have that relational authority, yeah, because you are living the life, and you are being real about what I like, what I don't like, what's been easy for me, what's been hard for me. Because it's not all a, a cakewalk; it's challenging, and it's you have to deal with fear, and you have to yeah. deal with pain, and woundedness and let the lord get in there and heal your stuff that you were just doing pretend that isn't there you know it's it's hard this journey yeah and so when people know you're real and they respect you it's a relational 
authority they allow you to have in their life. Yeah. So I think you talk about the change at Hosanna. I think the change really is me. That's probably the biggest change, the the role that I have there now. Sure. Just as that, more of just. Yeah. You're Papa John. Yeah. <laughs> And in a I lot think of areas. in an organization, you know, you have boxes or circles and your name in it and then a line going to here to there, see how you're connected. I think my box is just kind of floating around there somewhere. <laughs> Not you're really in orbit. A... <laughs> you're definitely in orbit. <laughs> That's kind of great, really? actually. Yeah. So here's, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm hearing you talk, both of you talk about the next generation, and I am the same generation as your son. and. I want to position myself to learn and to grow and to receive the breakthroughs that you guys have fought for. There's been some hard knocks along the way and painful moments and probably tears. So what would you say to my generation, to these millennials or even the generation following behind us? Like, What are some words of wisdom or even ways we can position our hearts to receive or just speak to that. I, I wish I had a better question off the top of my head, but I would love to hear. Mm-hmm. Like, no. I want to receive everything you guys fought for and then take it further and, and then pass it off. The, 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 you want to be standing Absolutely. and making our ceiling your floor. So right. how do I do that? I don't yeah. want to rebuild the wheel. <laughs> right. No, and I, th- I think... And you um, want to go further. That's right. Oh, absolutely. And you're going to have your own fights. Yeah, you are gonna, exactly. You have your own battles. You're going to be contending for things that the generation after you will get to live in so but when i think about that i've always have hope a lot of hope when i think about your generation just how i see you carry yourselves what i'm amazed at is um the wisdom in your generation Hmm. that you carry i think i think that is a very real thing on millennials right now and and you know i'm sorry for sometimes when people don't see that in you and and think you guys don't know anything. I, I actually see quite the opposite. You guys do carry a lot of wisdom. In this regard is what I've seen. Um, I feel like your generation has a better idea of what's important, what's not, mm. what's lasting, what's temporal, what will bear fruit, what won't. And so I would just encourage you to keep walking that path and to have that kind of courage to stay true to that just keep doing what you know is right and and keep keep ignoring the stuff that doesn't really matter Mm, yeah i hope that makes sense to you and i hope you it does i'm hearing i'm hearing you say have long vision the long game in mind yep yep um, well, and I think just that you want to position yourself so that you receive the breakthrough is really the biggest part of the battle because um, there are some people who would say, oh, they're just old and they don't know. And there's some people who would say, oh, well, they're old and I want to figure out where they, how they got where they are so I can learn from that. And so there's two different ways of looking at it. Yeah. And I think what I appreciate about your generation is there's a... There's a um, low tolerance for just doing it because there's, yeah. I mean, that's not a good enough reason for anything. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, that filters through everywhere. And that's awesome because you don't have to, there's no pretense in that. It's like, okay, tell me why we're doing that. So just if we're not doing that for a good reason, let's not do it. <laughs> you know, or and that that's, 
it can be hard and frustrating if you haven't thought through, I don't know why I do it. <laughs> that, that can be really, like I, that, that causes me to feel like I, you know, I don't know something I'm supposed to know. But if, if we can deal with that, that then you, you are ready to take on the next thing. But I, I have also have encountered some people from your generation who said, yeah, well, you're just too old to understand. And like, mm-hmm. oh, that makes me sad because, you know, I might not understand, so help me understand. Mm-hmm. It's a relational piece as well, you know. Sure. Don't ever feel that from you, Rebecca. You're just like, <laughs> no. yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> we got a lot to lots to learn, and getting to hang out with the, these guys shows me that routinely. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a privilege to see firsthand people, you know, from this, the generation above me, going hard after the Lord and saying, "We didn't know things at first that we know now, and and we don't want you to have to relearn that." Yeah, like I, that's what I see happening. So. I want to glean everything I can and then take it further and then pass it off. Yeah. And I think that's happening. I, I really do believe that's happening. And I think there is there is a big shift uh, in the generation before me, in your generation, where, where I think we both get it. I think both generations mm-hmm. are seeing that. And I don't know that that occurs very often in history. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting point because I often feel like I'm learning as much yeah. from your generation yeah. that perhaps your generation is learning from ours. Yeah. Hmm. I really do feel like that. And as long as we're positioned that way, we're it's almost unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way it makes me feel like I'm I'm still running. I yeah. haven't stopped. Well you are. So <laughs> Yeah, and which is really good. Yeah. I don't I I don't ever see a time I guess where I will stop running. I had a prophetic word over me uh, that I just love. I think about this often. This lady, this lady said she's very prophetic, so I really trust her, and I do know her very well. And um, she said, "Yeah, I see a uh, a Russian bear." <laughs> I'm like, I'm not sure where this is going. <laughs> she said, and it's kind of like balancing on one of those balls that yeah. they do. She said, but then the ball turns into the world, and the bear turns into you. And the Lord says, all the days of your life, you're going to be running around the globe until the day you're done and you won't ever need to stop. I'm like, that's all right, great. that's a good word. That's and an I awesome released word. that to you, John. So I received that one. He, yeah, I, Gary too. We're I just... think there's a generational piece on that word. Yeah. I actually do think yeah. there's a generational piece. And I think that's the heart of the Lord that your generation would go, that you don't slow down. I don't know that golfing and, and retirement communities have quite the same appeal they once did. And yeah, you're looking at me no. with a terrified face. No, please, Lord, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I like to golf, but I don't want to give my life to it. Right, <laughs> and knowing when to make a shift and an adjustment to make room for the next generation and without having to leave is very important because you said this once, Rebecca. You said um, you ran track and mm-hmm. you ran the baton yeah, relays. Relays. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell that I did a lot of track. But she did the relays. And do you want to explain how you said that? Yeah. Well, at some point in the relay, you're going to hand over the baton. Mm-hmm. But there's the passing zone. And so the runner waiting for the baton starts running and, and goes to their top speed while the other runner has the baton and is at top speed. So there's a moment where you both are, are sprinting before there's a handoff. At top so you don't speed have to before down. you hand off. Yeah. I love that picture. Is it? Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. so good. Because too often we've stopped and handed the baton and so somebody quits and somebody starts. You lose all the momentum. And we lose all the momentum. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's and that's the dangerous spot in a relay. Like you don't usually get disqualified in any other spot in a relay, but dropping the baton. 
or not even just getting disqualified, but losing the race. That's where it's going to happen is that transition. Because the handoff wasn't done well. Because the done handoff well. wasn't done well, yeah. right? Because one runner was slowing, was running too slow. Yeah. So what you're, so part of what I hear you saying is like in a relay race, I mean, you got to spend a lot of time practicing that handoff. That's, that's all you practice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a way bigger part of the race yeah. than yeah. just running. And there is a mm-hmm. season where you run alongside each other. Yeah. Yeah. And so we forget that piece. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. I yeah. actually think, I think that time is coming. Like I think our, my generation is like, we, we see you guys running. We're like, oh, we got to go. We're, and we're still, we don't, we don't have the baton. We're not running with it, but we're trying to catch up to speed. And I think that's an important thing that's happening. And I don't, I don't have a time frame for that, you know, if it's the next decade or what, but that, I think that's what's happening. And so you playing a fathering role at Hosanna and Christy, who, and Gary, he's in here too, yeah. who, who parent everyone around us, you know, in, in such a wonderful way that we can glean. Like, I'm so grateful that I can be positioned to sit in on these conversations yeah. and, and hear from them because I want to run top speed and I don't want to slow down but I love that your generation isn't going to stop either yeah that you're going because the further you go the, the higher I get to start yeah like the faster your lap the faster my overall time is yeah. in, a, in a race mm-hmm. so I see that happening and here's another picture I saw when you were just talking about that so we hand the baton off we're still not done no we are in the middle of that field encouraging you and and you're still running and for a while. Running. You're, you're still yeah, running you for a while. Right. You're still yeah. running for yeah. a while. Yeah. yeah, and you do have to get off the track. <laughs> yeah. But we, yeah, which is actually, that there might be something there. Like, there is a time where it, where it is time to get off the track. Yep. And, and can, recognize it. And recognize yeah. it, yeah. But I think, you know, you mentioned just the spending your days golfing and whatever. And, um, man, a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that um, I've been thinking a lot about lately in regards to that, because... Uh, I mean, I don't want to sprint forever. No, but, yeah. <laughs> at some point, I do want to hand off. But you know, we've been talking about. But I, I don't want to be done. But I think when you uh, adopt a kingdom lifestyle, whatever you do, I mean, you can go to that retirement community in Arizona, oh, for sure. Florida, for sure. But if you got a kingdom mindset, you're still doing kingdom work, man. You're yeah. praying. Yeah, you're praying you're for the groundskeeper. Something. Whether you're, it's your coaching or your cheering or you're yeah, doing something, yeah. yeah. So you you never stop, but um, it changes. Yeah, and I, and I think sometimes a lot of people, I think they actually feel like, okay, I'm done, sure. did it. Yep. I think I did enough, and yeah, and and never really fully step into the more that God has mm-hmm. for them. Yeah, yeah, and there's an eternal peace there that. It has to has to be the underpinning for all our thinking and how we live our life is this is this it, there's eternal ramifications for everything right it's not to make it to 80 and again golfing i guess i lived in florida for a while so i've <laughs> i have this this really strong imprint of this image yeah. of what retirement might look like for people yeah well there's plenty of aches and pains on the golf course People need healing. Yeah, that's so. right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I, when we were sitting down, you were telling us about one of the things you're proudest of with with Drew, and how you're seeing him um, see new gifts coming out of your son. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that just a little bit? Uh, yeah. So, Drew is a wonderful young man, very quiet man, a few words, but the ones that he writes down 
in the form mm-hmm. of a song are just amazing. They really have a lot of life on it, and the melodies that are coming out of him are just uh, su- surprising me. Not that I was didn't think that he had it in him, but uh, the depth of some of these melodies and these songs. So Drew's been doing a lot of writing, and I've been honored to do writing with him, so we write together. That's cool. And uh, we're in the process of recording some of those songs now. That's what I talk about. A fun generational interplay yeah. there. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing, writing music with the younger person. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this lately because it seems to me there's so much creative production, Rebecca, that comes out of uh, someone your age. Hmm. in your part of the generation. I don't know if you notice that or not. So like if you look back in history, like all the great, let's say the great pop bands or rock and roll bands, when they were in their prime just kicking out music and their production level was so high. They were in their 20s, mm-hmm. you know, maybe early 30s. And, uh, and for some reason, I don't know why, it just it seems to kind of slow yeah. down. And they, you know, when they tour and do music, they sing a lot of the songs that they (laughs) they did before yeah but that they did before but i mean when working with my son i noticed that too his production level and the things that come out of him they're different than what comes out of me Hmm. and i don't know i've just been thinking a lot about that lately and um how you know person like in my part of the generation how, how we can stay creative and productive and i don't have the answer but I've just been thinking a lot about that lately. Yeah. And perhaps we are still very creative, but it it manifests itself And we have to see ourselves that way. Yeah. And keep going forward instead yeah. of just living in what we had in the past. Exactly. So that's really a challenge at times, I think. Because yep. you got more history, you can kind of sit back and like, oh, yeah, I got some good history. Which yep. is not bad to have good history, but you're not living history you're living the future yeah so there's something about this that (laughs) forgive me i'm going to talk about tennis that reminds me of something i heard when um so serena williams has been trying to break the record of number of slams and she's lost in four finals and if it if she was just playing a normal final it wasn't trying to break a record i think she would have had three of those and the announcers are this is getting talked about like the weight of it is the moment is getting to her and they brought up the story about Monica Sellis, who was a great champion. And she was like, I don't know, early. She was in her teens. She was in her late teens. And she came back from, she has crazy comeback win to win a, win a major. And they asked her afterwards, like, what were you thinking about? And she said, oh, I was trying to remember the name of that song that I heard in the drive here. She wasn't thinking about the weight of the moment. She wasn't thinking about how do I do this as a strategy. And I think there is something with youth where there is a freedom from the gravity of the, of the situation where you are free to be creative and produce because you're not concerned about what it means or the bigger picture or reputation or any of those things that you need to uphold. So I think there there could be an element of that more than, oh, as you age, creativity goes down. Because I don't think that's true at all. I don't think that's it. Yeah. I think there's there's a freedom to make mistakes that young people have. And you there's no way you're creative if you don't make mistakes and find out what doesn't work. Yep. You're totally right. And I think in ways that comes down to performance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. 
Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good like follow-up. Like, how do you stay away from performance? I mean, as a worship leader, or as anybody who's up front in front of people, how do you live with excellence and play, play you're an excellent musician. Um, how do you do that without slipping into performance? That is, well, quite honestly, that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. I think it's a daily challenge. I don't think I could honestly sit here and say, I'm totally free from the spirit of performance, because <laughs> I'm not. I mean, it's very, very easy to slip into. But I mean, you, you mentioned something that just, it it, it, it just stood out to me. Um, when you're younger, just that freedom yeah. to kind of make mistakes. But, but look at that. We, the y- young people, we kind of celebrate that, don't we? Yeah. When young people step out and try something, hmm. try something bold, and they might not necessarily succeed the first time, but we celebrate and go, yeah, you're getting it. You're yeah. doing great. You yeah. go. I think when you get older, it's possible that we just get afraid hmm. of that, of making the mistake. Yeah. And and perhaps we're not always as celebrated <laughs> for making a mistake. Sure. Yeah, and, and that again, that could. I'll, I'll take some some blame on my generation as we have these false expectations for the people and uh, who are have been doing it longer than us. Yeah. It's supposed to look a certain way. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, getting back to the performance thing, I think, and you mentioned excellence too, Rebecca. I think it depends on how you define excellence. If um, if I defined excellence as just just pure executing something. I mean that that's ridiculously boring anyway to me just here's what we're going to do and we're going to execute it perfectly then you're kind of performing but in my mind if excellence is just doing just doing the best that you have and looking back and go did I do my best hmm. yeah that was good um and I think comparison also is a trap oh yeah in falling into a performance mindset. Um, that can be devastating to a, a musician when you're comparing, because there's always somebody better than you. I mean, think about it. You could do an amazing job of playing your guitar or piano and singing. There's always somebody better, and if you're comparing yourself to that person, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does, it does t- kill the creativity. It kills sure. the creativity, yeah. I'm trying to remember the name of the people who did a... a that, that marshmallow challenge, marshmallow test. Um, Rebecca can look that up while I'm talking about it. But th- this is a um, a proven study, uh, scientifically proven study. This, this group of people, and she'll f- find the name. But they went and they took uh, groups of people. They had CEOs. They had little kids, kindergartners. They had people who had just graduated from business school and some other populations. And they did this study like over and over and over. So it is scientifically proven, but they would give them the spaghetti and marshmallow and tell them they had to build, whoever built the tallest structure won. Mm -hmm. And ridiculously high amount of times, it was the kindergartners that won. And they're they're going to get CEOs and (laughs) business college majors. And what they found is that the, the adults were trying to relationally navigate through things and they were trying to have a plan and strategize their plan and then they do it once the kids just did it over and over and over till they got it right right 
they kept doing it and failing and doing it again and doing it better. But they kept making it, doing it imperfectly. But they won exponentially more. They yeah. Won. And so really, that's like that's being childlike. That the Lord tells us to be like a child. Yeah. And I believe what He's saying is, don't take yourself so seriously. Right. Don't compare yourself to everybody else. Just do it. Yeah. Just yeah. get it done. Just keep moving forward in the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll link that in the show notes because okay. there's a fun little video to watch with that too. Okay. Yeah. And I think maybe you're, we're, we're scratching the surface on something pretty big here of, of the childlike, the childlikeness of the kingdom that actually is the entry point to creativity and mm-hmm. this, this, this life. And something else I think is huge. And I see in both of you is, is humility. Like, we we my generation needs to be humble to receive the baton and to learn uh, and hopefully we can be and we can learn that learn in greater measure but your generation requires a ton of humility to say that we want to pass off everything mm-hmm. what we fought for and was really hard we're just going to give you mm-hmm. i don't know that a lot of people or generations have been able to do that and that's that's really something i see in your generation i'm really grateful for and you know what when and passing off requires that you trust that God has something for you mm. to do, that you're yeah. not just going to be set on a shelf that's right. and get dust on you. That's yeah. that's not the future. I mean, when you hand something off, God always has an upgrade. Yeah. And so trusting him enough to, to hand off is a big part of what our generation needs to to learn is that God is good. He's not... He's got something for you all the days of your life. Yeah. Look, what he, look at the people who got so old in the Bible and they... They did things all the days of their life. It might have changed, but they did things. Yeah. Yeah. Would you pray a blessing over our listeners just that they would have release from performance, all those good things that you were talking (laughs) about, John, just and that they would get blessed by the Lord? And I also feel like, John, there's, there's, you've got authority in something you said earlier about recognizing the tension of like, I want more, but it scares me. So I'd love for you to pray that for our listeners too. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, yeah, absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity just to talk about you and about your goodness in our lives. My first prayer, Father, is over those who are struggling with performance. That's a weighty thing, and it's it's so much weight nobody can really bear to carry it for too long. So I pray, Lord, that if anyone who is listening to this is carrying that weight of performance, that you would just release it from them in Jesus' name right now and just fill them with the revelation of your goodness and that you created them unique and special and that they are significant and they have a place in the kingdom, a very significant place in the kingdom and help them to find what that purpose is, Lord. And Father, the second group of people that I want to pray for are those who might be in this place of tension or this place of fear of just letting go. It's a scary thing to completely surrender yourself and to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit because we don't always know what's ahead, but you do. And so Father, I pray for faith and I pray for peace over those people and give them the courage just to let go and to let you hold them, let you walk alongside them, and to let you guide them. Because we know, Father, that you will only lead us in those pastures beside the still waters. You promised that for us. 
And um, so, yeah, Father, just keep continuing to release your kingdom. Oh, and, and one more group of people I want to pray for. I want to pray for those millennials, yeah, <laughs> that next generation. On. Man, they are right in the middle of it right now. And I pray that you continue to give them courage and humility and release uh, supernatural creativity into that generation, Lord. How we need that. And we love them so much. And we have so much hope in that part of the generation. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we've been talking with John Russell. Thank you so much, John. And if people want to find out more about you and find you, where would they would they Google you? Where would they find you? I'm not sure what you would find if you would Google me. <laughs> I probably um, like my like. Do you want me to give out my phone number? No. no. <laughs> yeah, your home address, please. <laughs> your yeah, your home address, all that. They can find you at Hosanna if they go to yeah. the Hosanna. If they go to the Hosanna website. You can find me there, my email and yeah. anything pertinent. It would be a good place to start. So thank you, John. Yeah, You're welcome. You. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to Dare to Believe podcast. We are grateful for you, our listeners. You can find out more about us at our website, daretobelieve.info. That's dare, the number two, believe.info. Also, to make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to us on Apple iTunes or however you listen to your podcasts. And go ahead and leave a five-star rating while you're at it. Thank you, guys.